Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and welcome back to Chat with Leaders, where we're passionate about amplifying the voices of today's best examples of leaders who use their influence as a force for good. I can't say enough how grateful I've been for all of you who are following our LinkedIn community, engaging in this content, and spreading the thought leadership from our guests. We certainly aspire to edify our next generation of servant leaders, and these actions are having a greater impact than you may even know. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I can't wait to share the wisdom from Carrie Mallory today. Carrie is the Managing Director for the Eastern U.S. region of Ronald Blue Trust, based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and also serves as an experienced wealth advisor to individuals, families, and businesses. He uses his objective perspective to help clients make wise financial decisions to experience clarity and confidence while leaving a lasting legacy. What I love about this chat with Carrie is that he gives us five actionable items that we can really hone in on through biblical wisdom that will dramatically change our financial health and peace of mind when actually put into practice. For one reason or the other, financial literacy is something that is more caught than taught. So whenever I have the opportunity to glean wisdom from experts like Carrie, it is truly special. He delivered this framework to us in my workplace ministry, Grace at Work here in Atlanta, and it just blew everybody away. I'm also going to post an awesome chart that he shared with us that compared the world's values with the family values shared in his home and at Ronald Blue Trust. So check out the show notes at chatwithleaders.com for that. I hope you walk away from this chat as inspired as I did. Okay, let's jump in. Welcome to Chat with Leaders, Carrie. Thank you. Great to be with you, Jeff. It's such an honor, Carrie. And I've had the pleasure of getting to know you through our workplace ministry and Bible study group, Grace at Work here in Atlanta. We are connected through both our faith and our shared passion for leadership. And I can say that every time that I have heard you speak, it always edifies me, inspires me, and helps kind of move me to action in the way that I work in my day-to-day. So I wanted to affirm you in that way before we jump into the content today. Wow. Thank you. That's uh, encouraging to hear that. My wife doesn't always say that's true, so I'm really glad to hear you say that. Well, we are all imperfect in many ways, and you've been the first to admit that. And and I admire you as a father's spouse, someone that's trying to be a better version of yourself every single day, and just so proud and honored to know you. And so I know that we're going to get into some content today that was so meaningful to me on the topic of biblical wisdom around financial health and peace. And you have five really clear steps that spoke to me in a big way and that I've really ruminated over since that talk that I want to unpack with you. And the first one that you shared with us was to place your trust in God and not riches. Can you kind of break that down for us? If you're like me, you might be surprised that the Bible actually has something to say about your finances. You know, I came to my faith a little later in life in my 30s, and I had no clue that there were over 2,300 Bible verses that talk about faith, finances, wealth, possessions, that Jesus actually spent 15% of his parables are about that topic. There is tons of wisdom in the Bible. I picked, you know, you mentioned five there We could spend a lot of time talking about a dozen or so that are out there. But the first one you ask about, which is place your trust in God, not riches. If you look at the verse that's found in 1 Timothy 6 through 17, if I can just paraphrase it for you, basically it's Paul talking to Timothy and Paul says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to be conceited, and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God 
who richly gives us all things we need for our enjoyment. It could be clear to me, and it's the thing that I love to share with people when we begin a conversation about how do we connect our finances with our faith and say, well, we got to start by connecting it and recognizing that our trust can't be in our money. God created everything. He owns it all. And so we want to place our trust first in Him and not in our riches. And Jeff, that's been hard to do. I mean, when you're living through a pandemic, clients of mine are losing jobs, spouses are losing jobs, things, you know, it's just hard. I have found at times like that, I do a better job of trusting in God if I can remember all of the ways that He's blessed me in the past. You and I have been blessed with much. And even if we're going through a hard time right now, around our finances, um, if we can just pause and breathe and just remember, Lord, you helped me when, when I lost my job that last time. I have one friend that's been laid off three times. Let me tell you, every time he is able to draw upon the experience of the, the last time that God was faithful and provided for him. And so I just think that that act of remembering can be a powerful way to help us persevere in our trials around our finances. And it really points us to placing our trust in God, not our money. Something else that really stands out to me is the deep relationship that Paul had with Timothy. Timothy was the apprentice. He, it was a sacred relationship. He's kind of like the Robin to the Batman, if you will, in the Bible. And, and that relationship and the value of these relationships in, in this community and all of the church plans that Paul did around his tour, essentially, of a discipleship just is so valuable. And any time that you're laid off, you feel like you're in despair. And the first thing you go to is how am I going to continue to sustain financially? But then somehow you rebound through God, through relationships and, and all those that he puts in our lives. And it takes people like you that are great with like wealth creation, how to finance and how to steward that, that can create that relationship with people and, and edify them in a way when, it, when times are hard. And we need to encourage one another, especially when these times are hard. Yes. It's a great practice is to just make a grateful list. Uh, it's one of the ways that'll help you remember where your blessings come from. I work hard, push hard, but ultimately, I, I mean, I plant and I water, uh, but ultimately the fruit comes from the Lord. Where I have found if, if I'm thinking I'm the fruit maker, I'm going to be disappointed at some point. <laughs> I might can fake it for a while, but what we're talking about here with this principle is placing your trust in God is recognizing that we can't cause fruit to grow. It's our responsibility to plant water, absolutely. But ultimately, we have to trust in Him to bring fruit and in the timing. Yeah, so powerful. The second principle that you taught us in our group was spend less than you earn. You would think that it's obvious. Yes, it, you know, Jeff, it's easy to say, right? Spend less than you earn. <laughs> it's harder to do in this day and age when I can pick up my phone and hit a button and a package shows up that day or the next day, right? Spend less than you earn. So, so the Bible doesn't offer any clear-cut direction regarding spending levels. It doesn't say thou shall only spend X percent of your gross income. <laughs> Here's what I, I tell clients. Our spending habits can enhance or they can limit our ability to avoid debt, to give generously, and ultimately to follow God's calling in our lives. Mm-hmm. At Ronald Blue Trust, we believe that every spending decision is ultimately a spiritual decision. If you show me where your money is, where you're spending it, I'll have a good idea where your priorities are. 
It's just really important for us, if we want to follow God's calling in our lives, we have to think about spending less than we earn. It's so foundational. As you said, it's, it's like the no-brainer. It has, it's just one of those foundational things. I love that. And, and gathering money little by little to make it grow. I think in our world, many people want the get-rich-quick solution, yet that doesn't always happen that way. And it's easy to compare ourselves to other people that maybe have done that. But that's, that's really not the way the world works in most cases. And, and really growing wealth little by little, Proverbs 13, gathering money little by little, make it grow. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because so today Bitcoin is all in the news, right? And then you also have like AMC and some of these other meme stocks that people, you know, going on. And and I, especially as I work with my clients' children, say in their 20s, they are really into this whole, they bought, many of them have bought into this worldly vision of getting rich quick. Right. You know, if I could just open a Robin Hood account and buy some Bitcoin, I'll never have to work another day. Uh, But the Bible's principle that you just shared in Proverbs 13 tells us whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. So it's this idea of don't be hasty. Don't rush it. It might you might be blessed and you might it might happen. I mean, people do win the lottery. But if that's the way you set yourself up, you're going to set yourself up for financial disaster, not financial success. And so that's why it's that spending less than your earnest. It's nothing to get super excited about compared to, say, watching Bitcoin go up or down. But I tell you what, it's that simple one plus one equals two equals four equals six over time that really adds up to helping you reach your financial goals and having more peace. The next principle that you taught us is have a spending plan or a budget which again, should seem obvious, but I know many people that have not gone through the practice of creating a spending plan or a budget for their family or sometimes even their business. So tell me a little bit more about how this applies from a biblical point of view. It's really connected to the earlier one because, I mean, how do you know that you're spending less than you earn unless you have some sort of budget? But here's the reality. I get it. I don't like to budget. Most people don't. For some people, it's a four-letter word. It's just they cringe when they hear the word budget. When I work with clients, a lot of times I'll talk about let's work on a family spending plan because ultimately we, we, we all get a paycheck and we have opportunities to spend that. Now, it might be on giving it away. That's one way you're going to spend it is give it away, taxes. Now, it isn't all just what we think of as just, oh, I have to put down how many times we're going to eat out and keep track of that. And I have to have an Excel spreadsheet. But it's really important, Jeff, that we know that we are spending less than we are. And having a budget is what it takes. I mean, Proverbs 27 says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now, that was said and written in a time where your wealth was in your agriculture, right? Was in your animals and things. Today, we wouldn't use that same analogy, but the point is, hey, you better know where you are, better know what's in your checking account or your savings account. And for us, when I work with clients who struggle with this, which frankly is most people, except for maybe some engineers, they do really enjoy budgeting (laughs) and spreadsheets. But for most of us, it's this idea of, I just talk about a family spending plan, let's use an envelope system because all budgeting ultimately is an envelope system. So you know, for us, for example, we literally have decided to use an actual envelope for certain expenses. So for our family fund money, my wife gets cash out of the paycheck 
whether it's hers or mine, she's going to take some money out of it and she sticks it in an envelope that I, I'm not going to tell you where it is in the house, but there's an envelope in the house in a box that is full of cash. And what happens is we went to see a movie the other day and you know what? She pulls that down. She gets out $40, $50 and we have our family fund money. And when that money's gone, see the power of the envelope is we know how much we have left to spend. You know, so she's able to go, wow, well, we don't have enough money to go do this whatever next time. We use the envelope that same way when we go on a trip, you know, so we'll pull out the money and it's like, well, we have, you know, $800 to spend on this trip. And so that's it. When this cash is gone, that's it. So you can use a physical envelope like that, or you can create a virtual envelopes. And thank goodness with technology today, there's lots of great apps out there uh, like Mint, you need a budget, every dollar, pocket guard. Those are some of the most common ones I see clients using. They can help you set up virtual envelopes. But also, I have other clients that use different bank accounts. I use a version of this as well, where we have a separate account for my children's uh, tuition payments. You know, So I want to make sure as I get, let's say I get a bonus or out of our paycheck, I'm going to put a little money aside every period to make sure that I can cover my daughter's college tuition track. And that goes in a separate account. And the key is I don't want that money to be commingled with money that we're going to use for groceries that week or that month. So the the idea of the envelope is you're keeping them separate. Well, I can totally relate to you and that creating a budget or a plan is something that is a slog for my wife and I to go through every single year. And I hate doing it, but I'm always so glad when we do. And it really, for us, having that separate account that's uh, particularly for us, we love to travel in our camper and go places and actually spend money while we're there on things that we want to do, but without guilt, because we know that, that we've saved that particular account for that purpose. And if we spend it all, then we can't go on another trip until we replenish it. And so it just creates that discipline to be able to, to separate that from your day-to-day paying bills saving, which we'll get to later, and really being able to prepare and have peace of mind. You know, it's so relieving to have all of those things separate, but I am with you in that I do not like to do it (laughs) in the first place, but it does work (laughs) out for the better. Uh, Well, and you don't have to budget every item. You know, you don't, when I first learned budgeting, I learned by, you had to have a a line item for everything, you know, how many haircuts am I going to get, et cetera. You you don't. And some, some families I work with, I say, you know what? Tell me the places where you know, where you feel the, the most checking your spirit about your spending. And where you feel the most guilty. You know where y'all spend too much, or at least you feel like you do, you know? And I usually hear things like, well, I feel like we eat out a lot. You know? <laughs> Always, yeah. Uh, or if, as we get closer to Christmas, we be like, well, I feel like we spend a lot of money at Christmas time. Okay, so we know these things with these areas. And so let's just, Get that out in the light. Let's admit that these are areas that are where we're going to be leakiest, if you will, in our budget. And uh, let's just watch those items. So let's just, instead of fighting over all the different places we spend money, let's just talk about and put some some parameters around the spending on those couple of items that where we're the leakiest. I found that's an easy way to help know where your money's going. Completely agree. We are going to take a quick break for this message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by InspireEDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. 
The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. And now back to our chat. So the next thing you taught us, which I love because I think this is what it's all about, all the treasure that we store is to live generously. So talk to me about your experience in living generously in terms of biblical wisdom and how you've applied that. Yeah, you know, that Paul talking to Timothy again, we talked about the first couple of ones. If you move to the next few verses, he's, he continues to give Timothy advice and he says, tell them to use their money to do good that they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And then he gives us the why, which I, he doesn't all, we don't always get the why, but he says, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience the true life. Another version of the scripture says, so that they may experience that which is life indeed. And I just, I just love that picture that by being generous, by using our money to do good works and share with others, that that actually, I'm tapping into something eternal. And I'm, I'm experiencing what God intends for me, what that life, the true life, the best of life when I do that. Uh, in a, put it in a worldly term, we have found that generosity, Jeff, is like the antidote to materialism. By opening up your hands, you're, it's forcing you to let go of your stuff. And the world presses in on our stuff. I mean, at 24-7, we're getting bombarded with you. We need more stuff. And generosity is a proven way to help you to let go of your stuff and focus more on others. And I just think that that calling there from Paul to Timothy to live generously is uh, really encouraging to me. Generosity is the antidote to materialism. That is a big idea right there, Carrie. And I'm thrilled that you you shared that with us. And then the last point you taught us, it was to be better prepared, save for the unexpected. That's such a hard thing to do sometimes. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, I know that's hard. But if you can get to that point where you have that kind of spiritual discipline, what kind of relief does that give you to save for the unexpected? Yes, it almost feels like this could be earlier in the list, given what we've all lived through, the unexpected mm. of 2020, and even the unexpected of the Delta variant, right, that we're experiencing today. In hindsight, if I were to talk to clients and ask them, like, what's one thing that we could have done differently to prepare for this? In hindsight, we all wish we'd just been better prepared, that we had planned ahead for the famine. And, and to put it in a biblical terms, you know, Genesis 41 shares with us Joseph's plan where he stores up grain when times are plentiful, kind of like when it's been raining a lot like here and the grain's been growing. Uh, he, they stored it up so that they would have food when the ultimate famine. And, and the Bible says, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Here's the reality. Our, our world, famines happen. Now, we just don't know when they happen, but they happen. Some are big, some are small. So we practice this principle, save for the unexpected. What does that look like, like in our daily walk with our families? Well, we start by making sure that we've saved up a little from each paycheck. So it, 
the first goal is get a thousand dollars in emergency reserves. Like set it aside. Let's create another envelope for it because it doesn't need to be commingled with everything else and make you feel a little flush in another account. You need a thousand dollars sitting in a separate account. It's for emergencies. It's that we can, we don't know when those are going to come. I give you example with recently my wife's uh, minivan started making this weird noise and I needed. Anyway, we ended up having to have a bunch of repairs done to it. And I did not plan on $2,000 in our monthly budget for fixing the minivan. But we had those funds in our emergency reserve account, and we were able to do it. And that helped us avoid borrowing on our credit cards or having to maybe sell assets or you know something like that or not fix it and have it be dangerous for her to drive. So start with getting $1,000 as quickly as you can in emergency reserves. And then you work on a certain number of months of your living expenses and your debt payments. So if it takes you, let's say $5,000 a month to just live on and pay your bills and your mortgage and all that's $5,000 a month, then try to get three months worth of that set aside in your account in emergency reserves account. So try to get $5,000, then try to get six months. Some of us that have jobs that are perhaps riskier than other jobs or income that's a little uh, lumpier than others or, or less certain, we may want to even keep 12 months of emergency reserves so that we can make sure that we're prepared for the unexpected because we just don't know when those unexpected trials are going to come. So I say be like Joseph, you know, start now building reserves for those unexpected families. I couldn't agree more. And it's so funny you brought up the minivan example because the exact same thing happened to me this week in our family. And I used to be terrible about having savings set aside so that that didn't cause me significant stress in those times. But we've been fortunate to follow those guidelines that you're so brilliantly laying out, have the the uh, roughly six months set aside to where it's no big deal. Let's just get it done. Bring it to our shop. It costs that. Let's just get it done and, and have a safe vehicle. And wow, how relieving is that to be able to do that and for it to not cause you stress at the same time? Yeah, because we know the unexpected things happen. Cars break. Kids get sick. You know, think we lose our jobs. Incomes, we lose a big customer in our business, right? Things happen. So let's plan for the unexpected. That it, it, you know, God's principles that we're talking about now they always work. They're timeless. They're always true, regardless of the season. And that's why it's just so important, I believe, to know what God's Word says about our finances and apply that plan to our lives. I love it. So just to recap all the talking points, place your trust in God, not riches, spend less than you earn, have a spending plan, live generously, and save for the unexpected. Great, great actionable items to be meditating on. And I know that, hey, both of us are are from a faith-based background and we're speaking about this from a biblical point of view. But even if you aren't uh, a a person of faith and, and you don't read the Bible, these are lessons that can be applied every single day into your leadership, into your family life, into your day to day. And so it's, it's really great to glean from the Bible that these timeless principles. Carrie, thank you so much for this generosity of time that you've given us. If people were to want to reach out to you, follow you online or learn more about your business, where would you point them towards? Sure. You can look me up on Facebook, LinkedIn, 
Or you can also send me an email, and I'd be happy to connect one-on-one just to carry.mallory at ronblue.com. I would highly recommend it, and we will post all of those resources on the show notes on chatwithleaders.com. Carrie, thank you so much again for just sharing your wisdom, your time, your friendship, and being part of our leadership community. My pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and thank you so much for investing your time with us today. We'd be thrilled for you to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please also visit our LinkedIn page to join our leadership community by clicking follow. We're grateful for your engagement and for sharing the inspiration coming from our guests so we can add value to aspiring leaders in your network. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.